Well, excellent. I'm really glad that you guys are all looking at tablets and at home. If you're planning on being here for Christmas Eve, get on promisechurch.community and make sure that you're doing that as well. Um, and get those tickets set up. And they are tickets, but, you know, they're just markers to say, hey, we can fit you in this space here in a COVID-friendly way. And so we are blessed, and we truly are blessed to be here in this space and, uh, and online at the same time. And so that is a really important, uh, important part. So today is our third sermon in our Christmas series. I can't believe it already. We're already like so close to, to closing in on Christmas Day. And uh, what a great, what a great time. God is so good. And so today we're going to continue through Matthew's telling of the Christmas story. And, uh, you know... I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share it anyways. This message today was ridiculously hard to create. So the, the text, you know, it's, I'm like, oh no, God, what are you doing? And, and the message itself took three weeks, three weeks to finally see what God wanted to say to us today. And uh, thank God for his grace and his mercy that he comes through and, you know, one of the things that happened in the, in, in the uh, preparation of the message, I think it was in week two, I was like, I started asking my pastor friends, are you allowed to preach a satire? Like, just the entire message being a joke? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, can we just do that? It'd be fun. Um, just out of, out of that frustration. But then God was like, no, no, you need to listen to my voice. You need to listen to what's here. Oh, okay. So no satire today. This is serious. This is what God says in his word. And, uh, and so we're going to continue on with, uh, with Matthew's story. Um, Matthew continues to introduce his story uh, of Jesus by continuing to show Jesus' identity. The whole piece of the first couple chapters of Matthew is before you get into the story, of who Jesus is and what he does and all that other stuff, Matthew sets up Jesus' identity. And he's like, this is who we're talking about. And, you know, it is really important that we as Christians have a very firm, established understanding of who Jesus is and how we know who Jesus is. And so I'm going to pray, then I'm going to read the text. God, I thank you that you are the one who is sovereign and in control. I thank you that you are the one who is God. And although some of us wish that we had some of those controls and some of those um, supernatural powers at our disposal on our whims, and sometimes we, we even fall into the, the sin of Adam and Eve and say, well, maybe I can be just like God. And sometimes we, we overstep but knowing our own inconsistencies, knowing our own foibles and the way we mess up, God, I am so thankful, and I want to take a moment right here to thank you that you who are faithful, who are constant, are truly God. We thank you that you are not pushed around by emotional whims and you are not pushed around by circumstances. You are not the one who is pushed around, but you are the one who is determining our course. And we thank you for your position. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are God and you have had us in your hand this whole time. 
And so for those of us in this congregation, whether at home or here, who need to be reminded by you and not by me, but by you, that you are the one who is in control. Today, I pray that you would be present in our hearts, working in that moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of his people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And from from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned, In a dream, not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This story is a story of Jesus' birth. It's a story that is about um, that's about Jesus' identity. We'll get into that in a minute. But it's a story that's unique to Matthew. Matthew makes sure that he's communicating to these people specifically. And he's saying, this is what I want to say to you. This is so important. And he's also communicating to us because he's communicating to people who are believers in God. He's communicating to those that believe that God is actually active and is going to do something. And so he's communicating to them and he's saying a story that really matters to to us. And it fits so many prophecies And there's so much significance to it. The first thing I want to bring out is about God's timing. This is really, really important. You know, I recall in my life being impatient with God. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. Anybody? Anybody at home? Anybody being impatient with God? It's It's a thing, right? You just want God to do something. I'm even more impatient with God when I feel like God has given me a promise. He's given me a thing that says, hey, I can, you know, God's like, I'm going to do this. I remember this massive moment that I had with God when I was 16 years old. It was on my 16th birthday, and God gave me orders for my life. And he was like, he's like, you're going to go lead lead people to to me. You're going to be an evangelist. And he gave me parameters. You're going to do this all over Canada. 
And I was like, yeah. And then it was like, start now. And he wrecked my high school career. Just wrecked it. Because here I was, I was, I was going to go do it, and I'm going to go do it right now. And the next step I took was going to take everything that I did. It was going to explode nationally. And I had a set of expectations on what God was going to do in my life, which at no point saw me lead pastoring a church. Not one at all. Never saw that. At 17 years old, I was, you know, a year into this going, yep, this is it. This is what God's got for me. And maybe there have been stuff in your life where maybe God has given you a promise. Maybe you're holding on to some promise. Maybe it's not a ministry. Maybe it's something else. But, but God is, is saying, there's a promise for you. And it sets up these expectations in our mind that says, this is what it's going to look like. We outline God's future. We say, this is what it is. And the people of Israel had a promise of a king. And they knew exactly what it was going to look like. They knew exactly how it was going to happen. They had figured it out on their maps and on their timelines. They had the places and the points and everything in order, just like I did when God told me that I was going to be an evangelist all across Canada. And I was like, wow. And God has timing and it works. You know, sometimes we do get impatient with God. However, when we look back in history, we see the intergenerational story and start to recognize that it's necessary for salvation of humanity. The story that God has patiently woven together is necessary for salvation. God cannot rush his mission. The mission of God is to be with his creation, to be with us, to be a part of it, to make it right again. God can't rush that. If God rushes his mission, we miss it. We were already in danger of missing it here in in Matthew chapter 2. We were in danger of missing the Messiah. There's all kinds of stuff in in Matthew 1 and Matthew 2 where God is heavily intervening so that humanity doesn't miss the incarnation. Heavily intervening. I cannot think of another passage in Scripture where God has intervened so significantly so that we don't miss this moment. God can't rush it because if he rushes it, we'll miss it. He'd set up generations, as we saw in the beginning of Matthew in that genealogy, set up generations of expectation so that we don't miss it. One of the things that God sets is stars. And the stars are, are all about timing. And this, was, this is huge because in our world, we look at the sun to time our days and to time our life. Our years are marked by the sun. Our months are, are you know, we've, we've kind of arbitrarily put them there. It used to be the moon and the stars were the calendar. That's how people told anybody what time it was. Now, there's a really cool thing that when you look back at first century, you know, um, Eastern thought, 
with the stars determining the deities and what God is happening, there, there, was a, there was something in the planet Jupiter. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what happened, but this is an interesting, you know, parallel story. There's something that happens in the planet Jupiter. In, in ancient Near East, the calendar was managed by the stars, but it wasn't just the linear calendar, it was a major events calendar. The study of astrology was quite common. And, you know, when we, when we see that, we see that the star itself in Jupiter is known as the king star. It would notify when a king was rising, when there was something that was happening that was of significance that the nations needed to pay attention to. See, this story isn't a story about a small backwater nation that wants to be a global superpower. The story that we just read here isn't about, you know, these people who are like, oh, we want to come up with some story about how we are going to rule the world. No, this story is a story of God's action. You know, if an, inter if an external nation did not recognize timing, it might be said that, oh, well, you know, Israel's just concocting a story so that they can claim global dominance or some other thing like that. But what we have here in this story is the inclusion of another nation's people. We have from the East wise people who study the stars, the magi as the King James called them. They're the wise people who study the stars. And here what they see in this star is that, is that there is a king who is going to rise. And they are going into Israel, into Judea, to find this king because there has been a cosmic sign. This isn't about like, oh, well, the people of Israel just, you know, crafted together prophecies and all this stuff. This is somebody outside of Israel, outside of the story of Israel, outside of the expectation of Israel, looking at their own calendar in the stars. And they're saying, Something huge is happening in the world. And when God moves, something huge is happening in the world. And so it's about timing. All the pieces have come together for God to finally act. And nobody can miss it. God has taken his time. He has been patient. He has been working. And you can't miss it. Guys, if there is a promise that you have been waiting for. God's timing cannot be missed. He will make sure that he will fulfill his promises. There are great promises that God has for us, promises of redemption that God has for us that he will not miss. He will redeem us. He cannot and will not miss that. And so... You know, we, we can't miss this action. This ob external objective witness continues to validate the claims that Matthew has about Jesus. This is an external witness. It says, you know, in the days of, of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king for the Jews or of the Jews? Where is he who has been born king? It's not like somebody, you know, cued them and said, hey, go, go do this, except for God. 
that God did something here in this moment, and he said, this is what's happening. You know, it's, it's not a tacit approval of like, you know, astronomy as a way to figure out what God is doing. This isn't like, oh, well, now we should go look at the stars because God communicated through the stars. No, this is about God ordaining everything in the exact same order. And it happened to be that astrologers picked up that sign. They picked it up and they were able to see it. It's not like, oh, now this should become our common way of understanding because our common way of hearing the voice of God and understanding what God is doing is by the Holy Spirit at work in us by reading scripture, by communicating together in prayer. That's how we hear from God. But God is so thorough that even people who don't normally hear from God are able to see this natural witness, these observable witnesses. And honestly, that breeds credibility. That's where we go, wow, God is so thorough in his communication that Everybody is able to see his powerful work. See, God is, God is working so that he can be recognized. Now, that's a crazy thought. You know, when we think, well, it's God. Why would God need to be recognized? Well, because we are finite. We are like this big. Well, I'm like this big. Um, but we're finite. And in God's eyes, God is way larger than us. And for us, we are have to be able to recognize God and his actions. And so he set it up. God's plan was always to become human. His plan was always to walk with us. And so it's profound and it's generous. It's amazingly generous that God, who is infinite, has always planned to incarnate, to become one of us. And one of the things that God had to do was he had to say, how will my creation recognize me? How am I to be seen? How am I to be recognized? You know, lots of humans have, have come to, to life and said, I am the ruler of the world. I am Lord of everything. I control all things. So it's not like Jesus could come on the scene and just be like, I am the ruler, you must follow me. It's not like he could just do that because there are so many imitations. How would we distinguish? How would we know that this truly is the Messiah? So God takes his time. We think about Christmas as a time of giving, and this is Jesus. He is a gift that has not just been wrapped as though to be kept secret, but a gift that's been telegraphed, a gift that has layers upon layers upon layers of affirmation that this is exactly what you are hoping for. If you pause and you ask, you know, that, that mission of God, you say, God, what is your mission? When we take our Christian faith and we remove it just from thinking about me and what does God want from me, and we start to push the question back on God and say, God, what is your mission? Then we actually find that God's mission has always been stated to live with his creation, his people. And we see it again and again and again, God with us. 
All Israel as a whole entire nation was birthed on this and continued on this journey that God was going to be with them. God promised to Abram, God promised to Moses, God promised again and again and again that through, well, but to Abraham, through you all nations will be blessed. And that's the blessing, the realization that God's presence is with them. So all of God's creation is involved in God's timing. All of it. God's going to make sure that he was not going to be missed, you know, just as another person. God's time had come. And this is how everything comes together. All creation, all creation aligning together to announce that God has come in person. The the stars are aligned to communicate God's timing so that God would be recognized with the people. So we've got the genealogies that were stacked. We have Joseph who was considering his scandal, considering his situation in life. And he's saying, I think I'm going to divorce her. And an angel shows up and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to, you're going to bring her in and that child is mine. And Mary goes, told you. And, and so Joseph is told the time. And now we see the stars being aligned to point the time. This is a cosmic event. So the magi are examples of when God is on mission. It's a global phenomenon. And I mean, when we think about the stars, there's a cool little parallel that happens here in 1 Kings chapter 10. We think about, you know, God recognize or people recognizing God's kingdom. It's not the first time that that's happened. When in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, we see when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, God's presence, that that's the kingdom of God being established. She came to test them with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very uh, great, oh, retune. And, I, and so that's just their, their crowd, the, 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 the trailer that came with her, uh, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all the things that were on her mind. And Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house he had built and the food at his table and the seating of his, of his officials and, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, the cupbearers, the burnt offerings and, uh, that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. So what she had seen was that God's action, his kingdom, was internationally recognized. She had seen, oh, Israel is something that is happening. There is validity to God's promises. And what we see echoed here are the promises of God that internationally are recognized, where the kings come, these these wise men from the east, and they said, we've come to worship him. This king. It was displayed so that even astrologers could see it. God set it up so that we could see that Christmas wasn't just an inside job. This is a global happening. It's a global happening that includes more than just one nation. It's a foreshadowing that all nations are going to be included in this glorious work of Jesus, that the whole world is going to be wrapped up in who Jesus is. And that's where we sit. 
We're part of that global impact of Christmas. And we sit today in a church built for the glory of God. And we sit at home being people who were built for the glory of God. And we say, this is the global impact that this timing, that this gift has brought. A true king has been born. As with the first sermon, we see that the timing was able to be determined by the people who were unfamiliar with the prophecies. The Magi didn't understand the world they were walking into. They were unaware of the nature of these prophecies. You know, they're outsiders. And and the Magi approach Herod, you know, and it's funny because Herod's response, we're to get into this for just one second, Herod's response create fear of security. In Herod, he has, he has a thing set. There's something really interesting here that I want to just pause on. Herod understood the Jewish people, even though he was kind of on the fringes of them. He understood that the expectation was that God was going to do something and establish a king. He was only a hundred years in history, he's only a hundred years removed from the Jewish um, rebellion that pushed off the Greek overlords at the time. This was not something that, that Herod was like, oh, well, my position's secure. He understood that, that God was going to do something. And when the wise men cued and said, God has done something, a king has been born, Herod moves per- to protect his own interests. Here's the question. When God reveals his timing, his purpose, his lordship, in my heart, do I move to protect my interests? Or do I say, God, you take the throne? You take control. You change my expectations. You change the way that things are going now. When God comes into my life and says, I am going to reorient everything. The way the wise men came with the message of God. The wise men walk into this situation unknowing. They go to the wrong city. They go to Jerusalem and they walk in and they say, and they say, the king has been born. If I am the king of my life, if I am the shaper of my future, the one who determines my destiny, and a preacher comes and says, the king has been born, do I surrender or do I protect? Does that cause me insecurity or does that bring me hope? What areas of my life hold on to power and what areas release? 
And God help every single one of us as we know that inside of our heart, God is still refining us. He's still working that out in us, isn't he? He's still going into those areas that we would clutch onto and we would say, I want to retain my insecure rule. And God still goes into those areas and says, yes, but I am Lord. I'm Lord right here. Herod understood enough that he was able to change the claim of there's a king born. His question wasn't when is the king being born. His question is when is Christ being born. He knows right away. He knows right away. This is penetrating straight to the heart. He knows right away that a king is being born called the Messiah. And so Herod directs him to Bethlehem. The Magi didn't have an agenda They didn't have an agenda to make Jewish prophecy work. They were clearly unaware of the historic Jewish prophecy because if they were aware, they would have gone straight to Bethlehem and they wouldn't have gone to Jerusalem. They wouldn't have alerted Herod. They would have just gone to Bethlehem and back. They weren't aware of those things. You know, they came to this wrong city because Jerusalem was the capital of Judea. So, of course, that's where the king's going to be. And Herod set them in the right course. So Matthew is picking off prophecies the Messiah is going to come from, from uh, Bethlehem in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. That's really hard to say, people. Anyways. You who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is able to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. In other words, saying it's fulfilling great prophecy. This prophecy gave rise to the expectation of the Messiah. The one in in Micah chapter 5 and a couple others gave expectation of the Messiah almost as much as the covenantal promise that King David had that an eternal king would rise to the throne of Israel. The place of Jesus being born, so important for the confirmation that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Messiah. Right here, we've got this baby being born in Bethlehem, being found in a house by outsiders who are going to worship him. And they did. They fell down and they worshipped him. And they, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's lots of sermons on, you know, those things and the significance of those things. But God really, really wanted me to give two messages today. The first message is that when God moves, the timing of God is visible and it can be seen. That he has moved so that we can see him. And the second message is that when the king is announced in our life, there's a question that we need to ask and we need to take before God. And we need to say, God, do I surrender to you as the king of my life? Do I surrender to you and give it all up and say, you are the king and I will follow you? Or do we hold on to the little power that we have? And do we say, I'm going to fight for that. I'm going to protect my own way. This is Matthew's Christmas. God entered creation. God's mission's at play and is imminently successful. 
And he wants us to start the story that without a doubt, God has walked with us. He wants us to approach the story of Jesus without a doubt that Jesus is God's Messiah. And the first two chapters, including next week's story, are about Matthew removing doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. And there is our hope of Christmas. A very Merry Christmas. Let me pray. God, you're the one who does work in our hearts. You're the one who sets our hearts ready to receive the Messiah. You're the one who threatens us in in loving ways, saying, let me who is more competent, more faithful, more consistent, more loving, let me take control of every part of your life. Let me be king and ruler. And God, inside of us, there are parts that push against that. There are parts that rebel against that. There are parts that make us say, we don't want to trust you in that. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would enlighten each one of us to open our eyes to see that you truly would manage it way better. You would manage our life. You would manage that thing that we're holding on to. You would manage it way better. And we see in this text that that we have these, these people who come looking for your timing without expectation. Help us be like those people who don't have this set expectation of what everything is going to look like all at the same time. Help us be like those people who look to you and say, God, what do you have for me now? I'm willing to be yours and to surrender it all. As we come into this Christmas season, I pray that we would once again be encouraged that you are king, that you are Messiah, and because of that, because of your faithful consistency, it's all going to be okay. That you actually redeem it all. You redeem us, and you bring us into your presence, and you make it all right. And we rest in the trust that you do work that we can't do. And we look for your guidance in how you ask us to partner. We give, us, we give you this week, we give you this Christmas, and we thank you for giving it to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our service this week. And if you're at home again, I just wish you a Merry Christmas season, that God blesses you. And for you guys here, I pray that God blesses you as well and that the joy of Christ will be found in all of us. God bless you all.